Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Narrative Dissonance on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter Laren. Today is Monday, April 25th, according to my computer. Um, this is a show that we do every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific, where we kind of check in and figure out how we might be, you know, just maybe we're being misled by the mainstream media. Um, if you want to support us, please go to unsafespace.com. You can always find the live stream there as well, uh, although you might be watching on YouTube, Utreon, Odyssey, Rumble. Uh, you can always watch uh, right on our website because we promise not to censor ourselves there. You can also follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafe space. And uh, yeah, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Uh, the best thing to do if you can't support us financially, the best way to support us is to share this episode or any episode with a friend. Um, you can even do it in secret. No one, no one will know. Um, before we get started today, one quick announcement. Uh, this Sunday... May 1st is creeping up on us. This Sunday is May 1st. It is the, uh, it's our book club. And our book this month is the Gulag Archipelago, the abridged edition. You don't have to read the entire three volume set, just the abridged edition, which isn't that bad, but you probably should start it if you're planning on being part of that book club because you only have until Sunday. And uh, May a couple, I have a lot to keep. I think I've only read a couple chapters. All right. So welcome everyone. Let's let's uh, let's kick off the show. Um, I'd like to welcome back first Mia Cathell, who you've seen here before. She's the American news editor for the Post Millennial. You may recognize her from Tucker Carlson Tonight, Newsmax, and OANN, and an even cooler network, Unsafe Space. You can follow her on Twitter at Mia Cathell and at thepostmillennial.com/author/mia. Mia, welcome. Thanks for having me on again. You are. Oh, there we go. I thought you were muted. But no, you're not. You were just delayed. It was. It's all good. Thank you for being here. Um, and also, uh, for the first time on Narrative Distance, please welcome Megan Fox. She's an award-winning journalist, broadcaster, and author of Believe Evidence, The Death of Due Process, From Salome to Hashtag Me Too, and Shut Up, The Bizarre War That One Public Library Waged Against the First Amendment. You can follow her on Twitter at Megan Fox Writer or on Gab at Megan Fox, or you can visit her uh, PJ Media page at pjmedia.com slash columnist slash Megan dash Fox. Megan, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, it's good to have you. It's good to have you. I'm going to, I'm going to move, I'm going to move you up here so I can be on the bottom and you two can be on the top so everyone can see you better. Um, and you do not have uh, toe thumbs. You're not the Megan Fox with toe <laughs> thumbs. Someone pointed out. I do out. not. I have normal looking <laughs> thumbs. I would like everyone to see that the, my thumbs look pretty normal in relation to my hands. I get that question so often. It's so funny. <laughs> I got to, you know, we had to get the important stuff out of the way first. <laughs> All right. So um, maybe uh, since since you're a return guest, Mia, maybe we'll start with you and uh, and you can you can answer our first question. Um, what's the most important story about which the mainstream media has misled people? I would week? say uh, what's really taken center stage is the Washington Post hit piece on libs of TikTok. And um, it's really brought to light how this anonymous Twitter account, who's really just using primary sources, it's uh, the woke insanity on TikTok. She doesn't edit anything down. And that's really what upset the left. And so Taylor Lorenz, who's now a columnist with WAPO, um, and she's like a professional victim. She's still claiming victimhood over this whole incident after she docks an anonymous Twitter user. Uh, she's claiming that she's a victim of the entire incident. But uh, yeah, that piece, um, 
it, it's really in detail, but it's really, she, she even named uh, that, identified uh, the Twitter user as Orthodox Jew. It's just these unnecessary details. Um, and it was basically a, fade, a failed takedown piece because now Libs of TikTok has really jumped in popularity as well. She's grown a lot on Twitter since, and she's garnered a lot of support from people who may have not heard of heard about her before. Uh, so that's really something that's entered the spotlight in the past week. Is it? I, I know Megan's familiar with this story because I've seen her talk about it. So uh, this is a good story to kick it off with. Maybe can you guys just for people who don't know, can you describe who Taylor Lorenz is and? what her stance on doxing might have been prior to her <laughs> doxing article. <laughs> I know for a fact that Taylor Lorenz, uh, who is a garbage reporter and is reportedly around 55 years old, uh, she hates, uh, she, she uh, for, for one, nobody knows how old she is because she tells everyone she's a different age. So we've just decided she's around 55. Um, Taylor Lorenz is one of these uh, tech reporters uh, she gets the 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 label of being a tech reporter, but really all that means is that she hangs out on TikTok and Twitter all day uh, and looking for people to dox, looking for people who go against the narrative, people that she can then dox. This is like when the meme maker who CNN doxed that meme maker who made the meme with Donald Trump tackling CNN in the WWE meme. If you remember that, they tracked down this guy, threatened him within an inch of his life, got him to apologize while threatening that they were going to out him on national television. This is the kind of thing that Taylor Lorenz does. Um, I don't know if I know there's been a couple of high profile doxing things she's already done, but then she goes on MSNBC and she cries and she whines that she has received what she calls online harassment. Now, God knows what that is. I don't know if it's just it, to, most leftists view criticism as harassment. So you're not allowed to criticize uh, anyone on the left or you are now a harasser. While literally Taylor Lorenz walks around to your relatives' houses, knocks on the door and tries to get you on camera to out your family a family member for having an anonymous Twitter account that literally just reposts the stupid things that leftists do. That's, that's my, that's my version of who is Taylor Lorenz. <laughs> She's a garbage human being. Uh, Mia, what did she get wrong about that? Or are you... <laughs> I, I don't see anything wrong. This, <laughs> she said, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a long running joke, but it's also true. It's how old is she? She's ancient. Taylor Lorenz. She's doing the activities of like, a high school girl prowling about on social media, uh, but she has the backing of a Bezo funded Washington Post. And so she's targeting a fellow woman after crying on MSNBC about online harassment of women. It's just so funny that weeks later, she, she does the same thing that she cries about. And uh, this anonymous Twitter user doesn't have the same kind of infrastructure framework. Um, and so just watching this play out it's, it's a bit laughable, but it's also, it's just the latest thing that Taylor Lorenz has done that's to be the shittiest person on earth. <laughs> and she I didn't think we were going to hear a swear word out of your mouth, Mia, so that was impressive to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, thing, the interesting thing I've noticed also, the Rolling Stone wrote a piece about the conservative backlash here, and they were kind of gaslighting everyone, like, oh, this isn't doxing, and... Uh, the conservatives are just 
losing their heads over this. She's just it's just responsible reporting. Um, she needed to she did you know she needed to expose who this person was. Uh, first of all, is there any legitimate reason? Like, let's just take our bias hats off for a second, uh, if if we can, right? Because I know we're all biased against her and for lives of TikTok, <laughs> right? But yes, uh, I think lives just... of TikTok is doing the God's work, doing God's work at showing the American public what the left is up to is always the right thing to do, always. But yes, well, you're right. If we could take our, our our biases off, is it a legitimate, did she have a legitimate purpose? I'm going to say yeah. I don't see it. And I'm, her excuse was, what if this person was um, a foreign actor? Okay. My response to that then is when you discover that this person is not a foreign actor, there's no story. Right. If it's just a mom somewhere in i'm not even going to say where she lives i'm not i'm not i'm not going to repeat her name and i'm not going to repeat where she lives because it's not newsworthy if it's just some american doing this then you don't have a story taylor maybe if you discovered in your research that this was a russian asset you know okay fine then maybe it wouldn't like make Tulsi sense. gabbard or someone an obvious Russian <laughs> but asset. it doesn't it, but that's <laughs> not what she found and to pretend in fact there's evidence that she was given this information by a foreign asset in Germany. So oh, if you want to talk about that. foreign assets, Taylor Lorenz, where'd you get your info? It was from a foreign country that was doing opposition research on behalf of Democrats to take down libs of TikTok. As Megan was saying, yeah, she was using the research of this guy named Travis Brown, who's even a former Twitter employee. Uh, he was an open source advocate for them. Uh, he's based in Germany, I believe. And he's also notorious for doxing and uh, involved in career sabotage. And he's provided coding and research and generators um, to accumulate data for Antifa accounts that perpetrate the same kind of crimes. And so uh, it's, it's pretty funny and it's ironic that she would assume that lives of TikTok is a foreign actor. And as Megan is pointing out, this government funded project that he was working on travis brown called the hate speech tracker uh ironic there too that it's named that <laughs> but you know it's you know can she just look in the mirror you got to name it the hate speech tracker or else it sounds bad <laughs> <laughs> so uh okay so you're not thinking there's a legitimate i i looked at this i was trying to step back and say okay is there a legitimate reason why we need to know this person's name I also couldn't think of one, but I also can't think of, are there examples of the other side where there's someone like that, that the right has tried to dox or that a, at a right wing legitimate news source has tried to dox that's doing something similar. I, well, I would it, say this is what their argument would be. They say we're doxing the teachers because see, here's what's happening. I'm one of the reporters who takes what libs of TikTok is out there putting out. And then I call the school. I've been spending all month just reporting on stories that lives of TikTok put, puts out there. It's it's great fun. For first of all, I get to track down the school, and then I get to send them a snarky press inquiry and wait for them to respond, and or call them up and get them on the phone and make them scared. It's fun. It's it's yep. fun stuff. They are claiming that we are doxing the teachers. No, 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 no. Except here's the thing: the teachers are making these 
posts publicly on a public social media website, many times with their name and broadcasting from their school. Okay, so this is on them. That's on them. It's not doxing to uh, to show people, hey, this is Miss So-and-so from this school uh, because it's advertised clearly right there on her TikTok. And I contacted the school because I have an interest in putting out real stories and I fact check. And I have fact checked some of the things that Libs of TikTok put out there and found them not to be true. I actually made a video on my YouTube channel about getting her getting hoaxed on something. It was about the kitty litter for furries. Um, oh. I did the background on that and I called the school and I got the statement and, you know, I found out where it went wrong. Uh, so that's, that's real reporting. That's actual journalism. So they're accusing us of doing doxing when truly that is not what we're doing. What we're doing is taking the information that comes from libs of TikTok and then verifying it with the school. By the way, I verified two or three of her stories. They're absolutely 100% true. And I wrote about them on pjmedia.com. You can go on there, click on my columnist page, see all of the stories I have recently been writing. One of which was about, I don't know if you saw this one, but there was a drag queen uh, performance of sexual dance at a student and teacher talent show at a school in, oh, I'm gonna forget the school now. Where was it? Hell? It was Michigan, hell? Yeah, <laughs> the doorway to hell. Was, oh, oh Michigan, my Michigan. mistake. Yeah. Mich okay. Or Michigan. Um, and, and I did verify it with them, and they didn't deny it. They didn't deny that it was their teacher. Their only ex explanation to make it okay was, well, this teacher doesn't work here anymore. He went off to explore other avenues, and he's not a teacher anymore. So they didn't want to answer any more questions. They wouldn't answer whether or not they thought it was appropriate uh, for a, teach, a male teacher to dress suggestively in a slit up to his hoo-ha and, uh, you know, dancing, gyrating around in front of the students. In fact, you can hear students in the video going, what the fuck is right. this? Right. You know, like, what is this? So, yeah, they're claiming that that's what we're doing by actually telling the stories of what these teachers are doing in a public school. And I would make the argument that anything you're doing in a public school is not private. It certainly is not protected from the public in any way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you have thoughts on this, Mia, but I mean, when I, when I see libs of TikTok, I, it's like, well, you're posting, this is not, this is not figuring out who a teacher is because they said something or have some paperwork filed somewhere, which, which as you're pointing out, might actually be a legitimate thing to do because they're public school teachers. But these are people who are on a social media site posting videos with the intent to have the video seen and get more views. This is not a it's like it's like it's like if someone took this channel and they were like, hey, look what Unsafe Space is doing. And then like they plastered it on Fox News. It would be like, yeah, that's not doxing. Like we're trying to get views. We want people to look at this. It's it's funny to me that the left views it as a I think the Rolling Stone piece called it a right wing, um, like a, a I, I think it, like a right wing press wire. It's like, well, how can a, the right wing press wire all they do is give a megaphone to the left? Is that that's the press wire? That's all they're doing is is amplifying what's already been said by people who are asking for attention. 
Right. I mean, critics keep confusing doxing with publicly available information. Uh, these teachers will even say, I'm a teacher at so-and-so, and it would be in the bio of their TikTok account. And they're doing it on school property, in classrooms. Some of them even have their kids, their, their students featured in there. You don't even know if the parents have consented to that. But um, another instance, like Andy No, the editor at large at the Post Millennial, keeps getting accused of doxing. Meanwhile, what he's doing is he's uh, taking publicly available criminal records of these Antifa rioters and just tweeting about them. Anyone can look them up and they're acting like it's private information that they've been doxxed, that they've been attacked. It could be something just like a tweet they made uh, a month before they set fire to this building that they're laughing about uh, causing destruction in a local community. Or he just takes from the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office their arrest records or he looks at the Oregon Department of Corrections uh, criminal records. And so they're just, it's like shock Pikachu face when they realize people are just journalists are using the internet and using social media to find information they themselves have put out. That's a lot, but I to play devil's advocate. I mean, that's, that's kind of what they're arguing Taylor did. What's different about what Taylor did? Because their, their argument is like, well, this was publicly available information. You just had to know where to look and find it and blah, blah, blah. And that's all she's doing. Well, um, Tim Pool, a lot of other uh, figures on social media pointed out that in the initial report, I believe when it was like published at 6 a.m. Tuesday, that there was a link to personal information, including uh, libs of TikToks, uh, work information, address, things like that. And then it was scrubbed without any kind of acknowledgement. And of course, WAPO defends uh, learning. And they lied about it. Right. They, right. they didn't do that. But we all oh, saw really? it. Yeah. Okay. What's the, what's the status now? I haven't. Has has she Lives changed what she's doing? To Is be she... doing? No, she's doing fine. She seems to be out there. She's continuing um, her, her what she does. Uh, she also has been partnered now with the Babylon Bee founder who has partnered with Lips of TikTok. He has not specified what that partnership entails, but it sounds like he has hired her to do what she does now for a living so that she can't be fired and she can't lose a job and she won't be destroyed. Um, and with the kind of following that she has, she's she's getting up to almost a million followers now. Yeah. After Taylor Lorenz did what she did, uh, Libs of TikTok got another 150,000 followers <laughs> on Twitter. A bunch of people realized that they had been seeing her accounts from other people and then realized, hey, I'm not even following this account and started to do so. And I think most people realize that she's providing a service that's very valuable because as one of your commenters uh, has just pointed out, um, <clears throat> The reason why the left is so upset about us seeing these TikTok videos is because they know darn well that adults are not on TikTok. It's kids only. This is a kid's space. They don't want us to see what the kids are seeing. They want to keep us in the dark. And because of libs of TikTok, parents are suddenly aware of what their kids are seeing on TikTok and, and they're not able to get away with it anymore. This is something that parents have been, of course, I've been telling my audience for, for years get the TikTok off the phones. It's a Chinese spyware garbage app anyway, and it's doing nothing but inducing mental illness in children. It's literally causing them to have tics and uh, develop eating disorders, um, depression, anxiety, all sorts of terrible things. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why they're so angry is that 
people are waking up, parents are waking up to what's happening on TikTok because of libs of TikTok. It reminds me of the response to uh, remote classrooms during the COVID lockdown, right? There was a lot of there was a lot of schools and teachers that said parents aren't supposed to be watching. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to pay attention to what's happening in class. Uh, I had my the uh, the superintendent of our high school actually told me that I had violated their uh, terms of tech whatever their tech agreement terms of service terms yeah i violated the tos of high school no because i uh because i was listening in on a social studies class that my daughter was in and he said that i had violated their their rules because i recorded it and i said excuse me but this is new york it's a one-party state and it's in my house if you think for one second that I'm not going to record your teachers doing their bullshit in my house. You've got another thing. Come and go ahead and take me to court. And then I never heard from him again about that. No one ever said to me again that I was doing anything, violating anything. And uh, the teacher quit her bullshit. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's uh, at least you got a positive outcome out of it. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I also have lawyers. I tell parents it's very important to actually have attorneys. Go get yourself an attorney. Get an attorney to write a letter to the school ahead of time before the BS begins to tell them where you stand and what you expect and what you will and will not tolerate. Uh, Schools tend to pay attention when you bring a lawyer into the mix. They don't necessarily pay attention to one parent. But if you have a group of parents and possibly a lawyer in the group that wants to write a letter on behalf of all these parents, I suggest that because uh, you will not find many school districts who want to get into a legal battle. And I think it's important to let these people know I'm willing to sue you personally if you do any of these things mm-hmm. to my kids. I'm willing to sue you. I don't care if I win or lose. I'm willing to drag you you through court for the next 10 years. The process is the punishment. So, you know, let's go. We can do it the easy way or the hard way. The easy way is you respect me and you respect my kids and you respect my parental rights. The hard way is you don't do those things. And then we end up in front of a judge. Is this public school or are are you talking private schools? Public, public school. Private schools don't generally have this problem because you're paying a very high tuition for the advantages that you get with private schools. I have two of my children in private school and one in a public school. And the private school, while I have, they have a letter from an attorney as well. Uh, It was basically my attorney just telling them if an agent of the state should come to interrogate my child, this child has legal representation and the lawyer should be called. Um, That's something that I think every parent should have on file because if you notice, when they give you the stack of paperwork to sign, you know, uh, you need to sign this piece of paper that says they're going to let child protective services or a police officer talk to your child without representation. No, 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 no. Your child has constitutional rights. They have a Fourth Amendment right to uh, unreason- no unreasonable searches or seizures. They have a right to an attorney. Um, so that has to be spelled out for them in no uncertain terms. And they can reject it if they want to, like the public school did to me. They sent me a letter saying, we don't have to do this. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. You have it on record that I've said you did have to do it. And I have it on record you said you weren't. 
So we've both got our letters. We'll see who wins in court, bucko. Okay, because I have constitutional rights. So does my kid. I know the law in New York. No child is to be interrogated without legal representation or parent involved or a parent there. Uh, they get around it with this child protective services sometimes, but I would love to fight that out in court. And I just think that these schools need to be put on notice right away. Uh, we are not the people you're going to get away with this with. I'm, I'm not it. There might be somebody else out there you're going to get away with this crap, but it isn't me and it's not my kid. Well said. Well said. All right. Well, um, <laughs> let's see what happens with flips of TikTok over the over the next few weeks. And, and hopefully, yeah, I mean, I remember that when it, I remember when it started. I've loved it since day one. Um, I didn't realize it was close to a million subscribers now. So that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, she's getting up there. Super valuable. All right. So, Megan, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked. Mia, what's the most, and, and hopefully it's not the same story, what's the no, most important I, I story about which mainstream media has been misleading people this past week? Oh, for me, it's the don't say gay bill. The, you know, the, gay, the don't say gay bill that doesn't say gay anywhere in it? That this one. Is the perfect example of the way the media lies and misleads people. And then, you know, their counterparts in the Democrat party started this with the don't say gay and it spreads to the media. And then every single corporate media talking head uh, uses the term don't say gay when they're talking about the bill. The bill of course is the parental rights and education bill in Florida that was passed and signed by uh, Governor DeSantis, heavy D. Uh, love him and hope that he wins the presidency in 2024, please run. Um, but other than that, I, I believe that this bill was actually, I like I was saying before, I don't think you have to wait for these bills to actually take control of the situation in your state, but it's a great bill. It, it tells parents, it opens up the lawsuit so you get around the immunity problem. Because every time you file a lawsuit against a, a school or an institution, they immediately file to uh, dismiss on the basis of immunity judicial or qualified immunity, some kind of government immunity that allows government agents to do whatever the hell they want and get away with it. Uh, that's what immunity is. It just means we don't have to respect the law, but you do. So that the bill took away that ability for them to claim immunity, which is great. They are now open to lawsuits if they screw with parents and they screw with kids. And when we talk about screwing with parents and kids, what is actually happening in the state of Florida is that little children are being counseled into this trans identity without the knowledge of their parents. They're being counseled to get medication that will destroy their bodies, their bone density for the rest of their lives, leave them with micropenises, with uh, vaginal atrophy, with things that you cannot even imagine, things you, can, you, you do not want to know about. Lead them down a path of medicalization without the... Uh, input of their parents. And they are actively hiding this stuff from parents. And in fact, what started this law in Florida, which very few people know, is that there is a little girl in Florida who this happened to. She tried to commit suicide two times on school property, and they didn't tell the parents until the second attempt, the second attempt. And the parents had wow. no idea that their child had attempted to hang herself in a bathroom because of the extreme stress she was under hiding this trans identity from her parents as counseled by the school. So they are being sued. And uh, that's what 
that what got the governor so angry was this these parents' stories. And he said, you know, enough. And the legislature was already working on the bill and he got behind it and he said, we're going to do this. And they should. And in, in my opinion, the bill doesn't even go far enough. The bill doesn't even go far enough. K through third grade, forget it. K through 12th. I don't want these people talking to kids who are underage at all about any kind of sex. You want to do sex ed, you do biology, you do human reproduction, you do biology, you do STDs, and that's it. Period. Yeah. The rest of it is all personal opinion and uh, morality. And you have to allow parents who come from all different religious backgrounds to teach their morality to their children. That includes atheists, it includes pagans, Wiccans, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, everybody has a different view of sexuality and sex. And we all have a right to our religious beliefs and to raise our children in them. No matter what religion you are, we need to go after this on a uh, separation of religion and, and state, because that's what it is. This is indoctrination of an LGBTQ WTF cult in our schools. And I am not a cult member. My children are not cult members of the rainbow cult. And we will not be indoctrinated into there. It's like forcing a Muslim kid to eat bacon. And I think, so getting back to your original question, this story has been so misconstrued by the press, but thanks to Libs of TikTok, bringing it back around to Libs of TikTok, thanks to her and the magnification that the conservative press has given those stories, we are winning. We are winning the, the hearts and minds of the people across this country. I have people on my YouTube channel, and please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel because it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've got people on there because I do some entertainment content who are on the left uh, who have found me because of my And Just Like That hatred videos that I do, the Sex and the City reboot that everyone hates. Um, <laughs> I've got a big gay following, and they're normie gays. And I love them. I love them so much. And they are they are all on the train with us. They're like, this is not who we are. Holy shit, we don't want to talk to kids about sex. What is this? You know, and this is our moment to really seize this issue and take it, make Americans friends again. We can become friends again over this issue right here. Because nobody with their right mind wants to talk to kids about sex and sexuality. Not nobody. Yeah, in the right mind, I guess, is the key phrase. So, I mean, <laughs> this is one of those things where I I think they went too far. My my, And I don't know. I haven't – I'm not Pew. I haven't done a research, like, poll of all Americans. But when people see – like, they, 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 they say this don't say gay bill stuff. But then when people kind of do any kind of looking at it and they see lives of TikTok videos or they hear some of these stories you're saying, they're horrified. They're horrified that like, oh, wait, what's happening? Mm -hmm. Um, so I maybe it's backfiring on the left. Maybe their their agenda, you know, maybe they've gone far enough that normal people are like, okay, this is this is a problem. Seriously, normies need to unite. Normies unite, and that means normie gays as well. At we, you know. I can't tell you how, if, if I were a gay person, my God, I would be horrified that this was being done in my name. And in fact, Spencer Clavin, Andrew Clavin's son, wrote a terrific article uh, saying, uh, not in my name, and wrote this very eloquent article about how this cannot be done in my name. Yes, I'm a gay man, but I will not stand behind this. We're, 
our whole purpose is not for, you know, transing kids. We are about, we are trying to, you know, we just want to live. We just want to have our rights. We want to be able to get married and whatever. But beyond that, we're not trying to take anybody's kids. We're not coming for the children. Stop, stop, stop. And, And it's really insulting to suggest that all gay people feel like these crazy people on TikTok that want to talk to little kids about oral sex and anal sex. Like, no, no, absolutely not. Uh, so we need normie gays to stand up and they really are uh, for a lot, uh, at least on my channel. I know a ton of my audience members are all for it. They're all with, they're with me a hundred percent. I've got a lot of people on the left who are not conservatives who are with me, who are saying, no, this is too far. It's a bridge too far. Stop. Uh, yes. Spencer Clavin is Andrew Clavin's son. Yes, he is. Now, I, I mean, well, Mia, do you have a comment first? And I want to jump in. So um, the Daily Wire commissioned a poll uh, and what they did for uh, to show that there's a majority of parents and Americans in general supporting the Don't Say Gay bill, mislabeled that, um, correctly labeled the Parental Rights and Education bill. They just showed the most contentious paragraph out of the drafted legislation. And just most sane-minded people would think, I don't want children this young from kindergarten to third grade learning about sexual orientation or gender identity. And so when you don't show, you know, the the media telephone of how it just warps the view on this legislation, if you just show it black and white in plain text, you know, most Americans are just sane and they realize this is just way too young. These are prepubescent children. Uh, They don't even know what puberty is, what sex is yet. And you're hypersexualizing them and they're uh, our most vulnerable population. Um, And so you just see that uh, when you take away the media curtain, just a lot of people, a lot of parents are on the side of DeSantis here. Yeah. Yeah. 65% of Democrats, 65% of Democrats were in favor of this bill. That's a pretty high number. This is not an unpopular bill. It was just made that way by the media. It's actually quite popular, which is why Disney made such a bad mistake by coming out in in opposition to parents in 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 Florida and across this nation by then having a Zoom meeting about how they're going to force more woke bullshit into our children's programming. I hope Disney flops fails goes under. I mean, I hope that the state of Florida puts the boot on the neck of the mouse to the extent that it chokes it to death. I don't care what they do. I'm so tired of the conservatives, you know, like the NRO conservatives who are out there going, "Ma free speech, oh, corporate, oh, what will we do now that Disney can't speak freely? Well, you know, maybe Disney should have thought about only speaking about what actually affects them. Maybe they should have been busy lobbying to keep their special tax rates. Maybe they should have been lobbying to keep their your Reedy um, Creek deal going. But instead, they were lobbying to interfere in the people's business. And I'm sorry, but you play stupid games, win stupid prizes, Disney. And Bob Chapek, the CEO, at first he was like, okay, I don't want to play what he said, political football over this with a statement. And then the activist employees uh, pressured him. And then he, of course, caved to the mob. He had to come out. They had to immediately condemn it when it passed and when it was signed into law. And so I even think at the executive level, you know, they they don't really want to involve themselves in this war. 
And as DeSantis pointed out during the signing ceremony, when he repealed Disney's uh, special self-governing status, this is a Burbank based, they're from California and they're trying to wage war against parents here in Florida. And so it's just really great to see, you know, uh, DeSantis take a crack at their autonomy, how, you know, they can enjoy uh, the privileges of being a county jurisdiction, but uh, they're now seeing, you know, you're, you're messing with DeSantis and he's really has a great record of actually uh, putting things on the board versus Trump, as we were talking about 2024. Uh, Trump was great with his mean tweets and everything, but it seems like DeSantis, even just at the state level, he's been coming out fighting. Um, he's been coming against the Biden administration. He's been coming against uh, state Democrats in Florida. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're, I think at Disney you're seeing the the kind of adage. Was it Fox Day? I forget who said this, but if you if the business isn't specifically anti woke, it will become woke, right? Um, and you're seeing a lot of pragmatism at the at the top levels, and they just cave to the woke mob who has taken over um, a lot of key positions in the company, and they're just afraid, and they so they feel like oh we've got to do whatever the woke mob does here um, because they don't have a principled stance against this stuff, which is unbelievable how to not, how you can not have, I mean, if any organization should have a principled stance on talking to kids about sex and how it's bad idea, you'd think it would be Disney, but they they don't have a principled stance. And so they're just, they're just afraid. Well, they actually used to have Disney used to have very high standards when it came to child safety. Uh, this was not, it, this was this was something that they did not equivocate on for years and years, but something happened. Like you said, the wokest took over, and suddenly those standards just went out the window. And I'm sorry, but I'm a parent of, and I'm a parent who spent at least I have spent, and this is probably a a low number, at least twenty thousand dollars on Disney World with my three children and their products and their and and the twenty grand was probably just the vacations alone. That does not take into consideration the movies, the the paraphernalia, you know, the the all the stuff that goes along with it. I will not be doing it anymore. And I was going to take another trip because I have a little one who hasn't been to Disney World anymore. And I'm going to take him to Universal instead because I'm tired of this kind of garbage. And I don't think I'm the only one. You can look at Disney stock. It is plummeting. It is at an, almost at an, uh, a low for an entire year now. Um, it's almost hit its lowest and it's going to even go lower. Uh, so maybe now's the time, a good time to buy. I don't know. We'll see. I do think they're going to have to turn it around at some point. I think that uh, they're going to have to fire the CEO. And boy, did he make a mistake, like Mia said, by not sticking to his guns and saying, no, we're not going to get involved in this. He should have stayed neutral. And I hope it's a real warning call to the rest of corporate America. We will not take this anymore. We will not take your corporate uh, muscling of us into in our opinions. We will not take that. You can have your own opinions when and your free speech when it comes to issues that that concern you. But as a matter of company practice, Exxon just banned the LGBT rainbow flag and the Black Lives Matter flag from flying outside its corporate headquarters. And I say it's about time. We don't need corporations involved in the culture wars. They should stay out. Stay out of our business. Yeah. Give us your product and be done. Yeah. yeah. Serve your shareholders. You know, serve your shareholders. And that 
like Michael Jordan famously said, Republicans buy shoes too. And they need to start realizing that the half the country does not agree with this, and probably more than half. It's not even just half. It's more than half. Do not agree with this woke nonsense. And we're tired of it being shoved down our throats every June, that every single corporation has to have a rainbow logo on their social media. And, and we're still supposed to believe that this is a group of people who are oppressed when they have the approval of every single corporation in America and around the world with sponsoring floats in the gay parade give me a break just give yeah. me a break it's all virtue signaling everyone is sick of it it's time for it to end and uh the daily wire came out with jeremy's razors if you've been following that <laughs> uh oh, yep. and jeremy boring just said it the best way stop giving money to companies who hate you and it's hard whenever they're just they dominate the industry but it's great when you see all these kind of alternative companies pop up uh, like Jeremy's Razors, and I believe they've also launched like their own kids' entertainment uh, section as well. Yeah, hundred million dollars they're dumping into that. I can't wait. Yep. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. just it's just great to see. You know, it's um, it's fighting back in these different ways, and you know, tired of giving money to Gillette whenever they're men's razors, and they keep dunking on men, their own target audience, their own clientele. <laughs> you know, and then they're shocked when their sales go down. <laughs> Yeah, I switched out of uh, when that was ad came out. I stopped buying Gillette razors, and I switched to Dollar Shave Club. But then they went south, um, so now I just have a beard. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Rib Rascal said Cedar Point is also really great, and I can confirm that Cedar Point Amusement Park in Ohio is a fantastic place, and it has campgrounds where you can rent a cabin or you can bring your trailer, and it, right there where you can walk to the park. What a fun place that is with roller coasters and water slides and all sorts of things. There's a lot of things to do besides Disney World. I actually wrote a column the other day about the national parks and how many beautiful national parks we have that are better than Disney World. Because in 2020, uh, when the pandemic struck, I had a trip to Disney planned and we were going to go to Florida. We canceled it. We forfeited our 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 $200 deposit and we put all the money into renting a um, a an RV and we went to Yellowstone and it was the greatest trip. We saw the Badlands and we went to South Dakota and we saw Mount Rushmore and went to Yellowstone. I'll tell you what, this country is a beautiful, beautiful place with some beautiful things uh, and, and things to see that will change your life. You don't need Disney World. Get out, go to Yellowstone. It's like the most incredible trip ever. Go to Maine. Go to, I went to, uh, national parks in New Hampshire and in Maine. I've never seen anything so beautiful in all my life. This country is gorgeous. Disney World is not everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a mall for it's like a mall for vacationing. It's like, all right, you know, go to the mall. I don't, I don't understand the people who go religiously, not just once a year. They go twice a year in the summer months and the winter months or they bring their kids who are like newborns. Like they're not going to remember this. This is not a core memory to them. So I don't yeah. really know the Disney obsession. But yeah, Cedar Point is very great. I believe it's right by Lake Erie, right? It it's, is uh, right on the lake. It's beautiful, so, beautiful. Yeah. I wanted to talk about something that you, you know, you've mentioned the uh, the LBGTQ stuff and, and the Exxon banned the flags and we, you know, June, everyone's got their, their gay pride stuff. But you also talked about a bunch of normie gays, which is a great phrase, um, uh, who, who are against this stuff. I... I think actually kids who will later turn out to be gay are some of the most harmed by some of this stuff, right? Because 
instead of being told, uh, oh, you're just different, but you're still a male or still a female, um, you can figure out that difference later <laughs> as, yeah. when you grow. Um, you're told literally, oh, maybe you're not the gender that you thought you were. You must be this other thing. And so I imagine that we're going to see a, if we're not already, a whole bunch of kids who would have been, you know, when, when they hit their early 20s, would have turned out to be gay, but instead have undergone some sort of transformation. Uh, they've done drugs or maybe drugs and surgery. And now they're kind of in this spot where they realize, actually, uh, I've kind of ruined my body and mm -hmm. I didn't need to because I and was also just gay. sexual pleasure, by the way, the, many yep. of these children who go through puberty blockers, their genitals don't develop and their their ability to climax actually is stunted forever. I am Jazz Jennings, Jazz Jennings on that show. I am Jazz. Uh, it is well documented that his surgeries First of all, the puberty blockers left him with a micro penis that they then had to turn into, they, I don't know, they mutilated it, used part of his colon to create a false vagina. And then he has admittedly said he cannot experience sexual pleasure. Who are the people, these sex positive people, claim to be sex positive, who are actively uh, rooting for the sexual destruction of pleasure for these children going forward. It is a horror. And what you're saying about uh, gay children being mostly affected by this is absolutely 100% true. And how they do not see that this trans ideology is the new conversion therapy. It is converting gay kids into straight kids. Do you not see this? You're right. taking kids who might just be gay and destroying their bodies forever saying that you're not you're not just a feminine boy because boys can't be feminine or you're not just a tomboy girl or a butch girl because girls have to be a certain way it is all based on stereotypes the stereo the same stereotypes that we were told for years and years and years is not okay i am a conservative parent and i raised my daughters without that stereotypical BS. I allowed them, I put them in uh, jujitsu. They fight with boys, they competed with boys. And I actually think I let them shop in the boys section because the girls clothes are stupid. They're all pink and purple. Like literally, if you want a cool t-shirt, you have to go to the boys section to get one. They don't sell anything without sparkles or glitter on it for, for girls. It's, it, it's ridiculous the way the fashion industry has set this up for our children. Makes me angry every time I go into a Target. Because literally, take a look at everything under a size 12 for little girls. It's all pink and purple. I mean stereotypes are everywhere and we don't have to raise our kids with stereotypes, but that doesn't mean that they're not the sex they were born. It is, it is absurd. I think girls and boys ought to be allowed to be who they are as they are. It, it, there's nothing. We need more Mr. Rogers and less of this rainbow cult ideology. Mr. Rogers, we were all raised with him. He told us that we were perfect just the way we were and that there was nothing wrong with us, that he understood that children sometimes do feel uncomfortable. You sometimes do feel like you're different, but you're not different. You're okay to be different. And it's okay. He used to have this song about boys and girls. And if it were around today, I mean, it would be banned on off the air, but it's, it's yep. not okay what they're doing. It is homophobic and it needs to stop. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, you also you also mentioned separation of church and state, and what I. This is a tough. I, I'm against public school generally, so it's it's a it's a weird angle for me to come at. Like, what should public schools do? Because my answer is nothing. Um, but uh, but if we're gonna have a public school and and you're gonna have this separation of church and state, one of the problems is we haven't recognized that you can have a religious ideology that's not a that's not a traditional religion. So we'll say, okay, well, obviously we can't teach Islam or Christianity in public schools because that's that would be not separating church and state. Well, similarly, uh, a lot of leftist ideology is a religion. It just doesn't have the same, it doesn't have a church or it doesn't have, you know, the same Bible, although you could argue they have, they do have, they have churches now. Scriptures. Didn't you see the sure. one that was decorated for Easter? It was like some Lutheran church. It was draped in rainbow flags. They have churches, believe me. Oh, okay. So they Pretty have much the Methodists, the Lutherans, they're all the church of the, of the rainbow now. Well, so, I mean, I, that's the thing when you, you know, you talked about, because this is something I've been thinking about as a parent, because there is such an array of orientations towards how to teach kids about sex and what's appropriate and what's not. I mean, there are there are there are people that all, like parents all ends of the spectrum, not sure what to do. People who are going to uh, be very very uh, adamant about abstinence, which is fine. There's people who are going to be you know much more I'll say libertine. And say, you know, anything goes, blah, blah, blah. I, I personally think probably the truth is somewhere in the middle, but I'm not I'm not totally sure either. But the idea that this is somehow a set it's almost like it's treated like settled science in this in the way that COVID was. Like, well, we've decided this is the best way to teach about sex. This is the best sexual morals to have. These are the ways, like this is the progressive religion, and that needs to be taught to every child. Um, and I don't know how you separate. I don't know how you separate that from a public school without recognizing that ideology is religion. I think we how have do to do, do better that? at pushing people to that conclusion that this LGBT or libertine view of sexuality and anything goes sexuality is a philosophy. It is a theology. It is not a truth because none, all of these things are subjective. And so it's very easy. The answer is very easy. It is to let each family train their child in the way they see fit. And the only thing that schools should be teaching is biology and rep human reproduction, period. That's it. The rest of it, and I don't care what they say about, oh, well, there's no representation. They need gays, gay kids need gay representation. There's plenty of gay representation. It's everywhere. I can't watch anything without a gay character or several gay characters or trans characters now. They're in, they literally represent like 90% of what we see on television. So I don't want to hear about this representation BS anymore. The schools are not a place for this. We don't need it anymore. Uh, and there is no, and all the gay kids I know, gay men I know, and I don't know a whole lot of lesbians. I'm sorry. I just don't. But I know a lot of gay men. And gay men will all, have all told me the same thing. No one needed to tell them who they were attracted to. They figured it out. They may not have figured it out till they were 18, 19, 20. That's, that's appropriate. That's when that's you're fine. supposed to be figuring out 
who you are attracted to. For God's sake, there's enough to do during high school. You don't need to be worried about that right now. You might think you're different. You don't need to know what exactly it is until you find out for yourself. And it's okay. It's okay for all kids to just figure it out on their own. This is like saying you need to, it's th this thing about talking to kids about masturbation kills me. You don't need to tell a monkey how to masturbate and you don't need to tell a human animal how either. It is the exact same thing. Is anybody getting the monkeys at the zoo together to give them a lesson? No, no one needs to teach this. It is just a naturally occurring thing. And, and for adults to insert themselves into that, adults who are not the parents, is a creepy as hell thing. Creepy as Super hell creepy. to want you to talk to. I don't want to talk to other people's kids about masturbation. Are you kidding? Right. You don't even want to talk to your own kid about it. I don't even. <laughs> definitely not. Right. Yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. It is super, super creepy. Uh, I did a story a couple weeks ago about uh, a place in the Bay Area, a school in the Bay Area that hired an external company to come in and teach this stuff. And, uh, and I got straight from the horse's mouth one of the friends. Anyway, I, one of the kids was in it and I overheard a conversation. And uh, yeah, the kid was like, the most appalling thing for this kid was that the teachers, the people teaching, said about the most explicit unit, this is our favorite one. We love this unit. And the kid was like, that's creepy. Why? Why? Like, that's creepy. Like, the kid noticed, yeah, there's something wrong. That should not be your favorite unit to teach kids. <laughs> Assuming that you have to teach them at all, that should not be your favorite one. Yeah, you should actually be dreading that. And and I don't yeah. care what people say about, oh, well, you have, uh, you know, prudish, you have a prudish uh, view of sexuality. Actually, no, I don't. But I do think that children should be respected. That means their boundaries should be respected as well. And adults should not be trying to push those boundaries. Adults should not be trying to insert their own morality into those boundaries. Kids actually have boundaries. They don't want to talk to adults about this stuff. That should be respected. I can tell when I talk to my kids when they're when they're like, oh, mm, you know, and that should be in that should be your 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 sign. That's your cue. That's yep. your cue to stop talking. Don't make your kids uncomfortable. Don't make children uncomfortable. You don't have to tell kids these days. By the time my kids were 12, they knew everything there was to know about everything because kids talk to one another. And they're on the, they're also on the internet. You know, so I, you you talk to them about it as much as you can, but there is no need to be so uh, explicit with this stuff, and they're and talk and infantilizing them for God's sake. What do just stop? I get a, I get a vibe from a lot of these people when I see you know libs of TikTok and elsewhere when I see videos of them. I get the vibe I get is that they are. Um, relishing in the fact that they're undermining parental authority. Like what they really are getting off on isn't necessarily uh, grooming, although maybe some of them, but it's it's really more we're subverting parents here. We get to raise the kids. We get to build the little ideologues and the parents don't have a say. And that's a, that's a classical leftist uh, approach, right? I mean, that's, that's Marx's <laughs> That's Marx 101, right? That's communism 101. The state owns and raises the children, not the parents. Um, and I and that's the that's the 
sense that I get from a lot of these people is they're excited about being a part of that. They're excited about transforming society according to the way they want it by undermining parental authority and undermining parental values and instilling the values that they think are better. Here's um, a case that lives at TikTok, of course, posted about, I believe in Oklahoma, eighth grade teacher. Um, he's no longer in the classroom. And what they faulted him on, the school administration is, school policy. Uh, he was creating TikToks, school property in classrooms, very visible in his videos, but um, there's very specific subsections of the employee handbook that a lot of community members have pointed out because it says that teachers are allowed to use electronic communications, but not if they're presenting themselves as an inappropriate role model for the students. And so that might be something that's, you know, setting a precedent that. Uh, these teachers really are trying to undermine parental authority, as Carter was saying. And this teacher, who's probably the nightmare of every parent, he has a mohawk and tattoos. And one specific video that was highlighted by Libs of TikTok is that he told kids, if your parents don't accept you, F them, I'm your parent now. And that's really the end game. They want to be the all-knowing authority for them. And since he's kind of built himself as this kind of punk teacher who would let you skip class and everything. Uh, it really works to be anti-authority, anti-parent with impressionable middle schoolers when they're coming about that time that, you know, pa their parents are no longer cool, their parents no longer have the say-so in their daily lives. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a groomer technique, right? The, your parents aren't cool, I'm cool, let's, you know, whatever eat ice cream when we're not supposed to and break, you know, have secrets from your parents. That's another technique, right? Secrets from your parents, which all these schools are doing. Like, don't tell your parents this. We won't tell them. If you want to identify as whatever, we're not going to tell them. It's a, we're going to start keeping secrets. Um, what a way to divide a family and undermine uh, relationships with your, your kids. I, um, I, I shared a, a screen with you if you want to put it up, if you can. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a great example. Here's one that I, this is one that I wrote about. If you want to talk about keeping things from parents, we can hear this one. After the law passed, says she's going to still keep information from parents. Here we go. I just want to go ahead and state that I would rather lose my job than out one of my students to their families. Um, being a safe person in a safe place for kids that don't have that at home is one of the best parts of being a teacher. Um, so, yeah, I'm not doing it. I don't know fire me, sue me, take me to jail. I'm not doing it. I have a real problem with this. And I contacted the school and the school told me that they would investigate her because this was not something she should have been saying. They didn't like it. But of course, they never got back to me about what that investigation actually ended up doing. But this is a teacher who is blatantly saying she will keep information from parents. And by the way, she is a high school teacher, so they, they thought at first that, well, the bill doesn't apply to her because she teaches high school, uh, but it does apply to her because the bill in Florida actually goes all the way to 12th grade for keeping information from parents. Right. You're not right. allowed to keep information from parents anymore in Florida. And this woman is saying, I'm absolutely going to keep the information. I am not going to tell the parents when these children have a, uh, a, a, a psychological uh, break with reality, which is something they must do because that's the parent's responsibility to go to, to get them help. 
And it, it's not this teacher who's going to be paying for it. That's the other thing that pisses me off. Who the hell is going to pay for all the mental health services that these kids now need because they have been indoctrinated into this nonsense? I will. You will. Your insurance will. It's not the teachers. They're not going to take on the responsibility to now pay for the lifetime of medicalization that they have placed your children into. They're not going to be the ones paying for it. Um, there's so no accountability for them. It doesn't zero. matter to them whether they screw your kid up. It doesn't. What do they care? Exactly. Yeah. They have yeah. no. They have no responsibility for it. Whereas the parents do, and we have all the rights. None of these people have the right to do these things to our children. And until we stand up and say no, uh, you know, it will continue. Now in Glendale, California, I just made a video this morning. It's on my YouTube page. It's it's brand new, of parents confronting a school board about a leaked email from a third grade teacher. You're talking eight year olds, dude. Eight year olds, third graders. This teacher was teaching three days a week. LGBTQ sexuality uh, to these to these kids. Three days a week she was spending on this. And they found leaked emails of her going to the administration saying, I'm scared now to keep teaching this because one of the parents caught me on Zoom and said they didn't want their child yes, doing it. Yes, you this. should be scared. And the administration actually told her, there's no problem. Don't be scared. Just don't use the words and the lessons that would um, that would garner the parents' attention teaching her how to get around the parents who wow. did so but the parents are going and this is even in california the parents lit that board on fire it was fantastic and the and actually twitter uh deleted the videos from twitter they suspended the account that posted them but you can find them on my youtube page because i saved them um and it is absolute fire what these parents are bringing to these boards so i i salute sure. you parents out there keep going Go to the boards, record yourselves, bring in the fire, send it to me. I'll put it on YouTube. Uh, it's good stuff. And we need to keep it up because we're winning. We are winning. Do you know what it sounds like when a, a grown man gets up in front of one of these boards and defends what these teachers are doing? I mean, they, that happened in Glendale. Some man got up and tried to, in front of all these mothers who are there trying to protect their kids from sexualization, gets up and tries to defend this nonsense. It's like, yeah, okay, groomer, we see you. <laughs> I want to see your hard drive. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, let's let's ask Mia what news story we should be paying attention to that isn't being noticed. Uh, there was that uh, Texas National Guard soldier who uh, died in Rio Grande uh, while he was trying to pull out these drug smuggling migrants. And I believe they just recovered the body today. It was like a multi-day hunt, everything. And he was only 22 years old. He was risking his life. And, you know, if anything, it's blood on the hands of the Biden administration, removing uh, Title 42, um, just the kind of border policies that's led to this ongoing surge of migrants, of illegal immigrants coming across our southern border. Um, and so that's just something that I feel like people haven't been talking about. I don't even, I don't know this story. Megan, are you familiar with this story? No, which goes to show you she's right. It's not, yeah, we should we hear about it more. Yeah. yeah. Can you elaborate? Tell us a little bit more about the background of what was going on here. Yeah. Um, I believe Fox News's Bill Malusian uh, was the first to report on it that he's just a young um, 
a young soldier. Uh, he was just diving into the river and he got swept away. They were able to save the two migrants uh, who were caught up in illicit drug operation. They came to just traffic drugs across the border. Uh, but he was presumed dead because uh, authorities have been able to find him all weekend. Um, but that's just something that I think is just bringing to light how this uh, border crisis we've kind of taken, we put it on the back burner as we're looking over in Eastern Europe, as we're looking in Florida, but the border crisis has been something since the start of the Biden administration. I mean, the border crisis is something that the left has also kind of, like both sides have kind of ignored. The left had their stance, the right had their stance during Trump, and it was it was in the zeitgeist, possibly because Trump talked about it. Um, but the moment that, that Trump was out and Biden was in, the left seems to not care. There's no more kids in cages crying and that kind of stuff going on. Um, and I haven't heard a lot about it from the right either. Uh, what What is the status of, do you know the general status of immigration and how it's changed under Biden? Um, there was the whole uh, border patrol whipping migrants hoax that I think Megan can talk to as well. That, uh, that was something that the Biden administration all the way up to Biden and Jen Zaki were pushing that uh, these border patrol agents were whipping these Haitian migrants. They ended up, according to the photographer who took the viral picture, they were just horse reins. And so they still keep wanting to, you know, smear and frame our border patrol agents as racist towards these immigrants who just want a better life. But um, by keep welcoming them in and not expediting them, which is, I believe, what Title 42 was doing, was using the public health crisis of the pandemic uh, to have this rapid exit or rapid uh, push of these migrants out of here. But if anything, it's just welcoming them in. And uh, these Border Patrol agents are risking their lives uh, to help these migrants who are bringing children across the border, women who are pregnant. Um, and there's a lot of people who are risking their safety for this. Um, uh, one of the latest headlines was, uh, I believe, Abbott sending charter buses to collect the immigrants at the border and then sending Biden's way to DC to show this is what it what it's like when your home is overrun with these migrants. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't seem to care about having borders anymore. Um and I don't know what the I think we both know what the play on the left is. Why do you think the right has been silent about this? Um sorry about about what the we both know why the left is silent about this they want right. more especially illegal immigration um why is the right silent about it um i do believe that it's uh, our our attention is just focused one thing at a time since we just have such a short attention span for the issue at hand uh the border crisis served its purpose uh when it was the heat the the height of it with the surge of haitian uh, migrants. But uh, for now, I do think that uh, the death of this soldier might bring it back around, um, back into the national spotlight. Uh, but for now, it's just, you know, a bullet point under uh, Biden's crises this past year. Yeah. Megan, have you been paying attention to the border since Biden's been in office? Peripherally. I mean, 
I know I knew it was going to be a disaster and it is a disaster. Um, but I am, I am like, like Mia said, I'm focused in other areas myself. I have, I certainly haven't written about the border in, in a long time. There's just a lot going on. And, um, I think my opinion of it is nothing's going to help. So, you know, whining about it isn't going to help either. I mean, yes, we should be talking, we should be showing what's going on. I appreciated what Texas did with the moving of the migrants from Texas to um, DC. I think that was a very important move. Um, but we all know what happens when Democrats get in power. They open the border and yeah. we're just going to have to live with it until a Republican is in charge and we close the border again. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the, I mean, eventually, eventually there's a Democrat. I mean, there's a, Look, this is really just about voting and demographics, right? If the if the, if most of the migrants coming across the border were libertarians or small government conservatives, the left would be about <laughs> they close it certainly. building the wall. They, they would the left yeah. would be funding a wall right now. Um, <laughs> so this is all. But about- strangely enough, though. The people who are coming over the border, who are, you know, people who do want a better life and who are not here to, to do criminal acts, because there are plenty of those For as the well. the most part, that's true. Yep. Many of those people are uh, deeply religious uh, Catholics, uh, so they don't necessarily always translate to votes for Democrats. Um, I think it's a mistake to believe that that's what's happening in I, at least not after being here a few years, I think they figure it out. These are deeply religious people. Do you think deeply religious people come here into this uh, Sodom and Gomorrah land that we have built and think that this is this is we're going down a good road when their kid uh, gets, you know, throws themselves in front of a train after being trans by a uh, school administration? Because that just happened to an immigrant um, who came here. She lost her daughter to the trans cult. Um, to suicide. So, no, I I don't necessarily think that all of these people translate to votes for Democrats, especially not when they have some experience with us and find out what we're about. Because lately, what we're about is absolute garbage. This country is going down the toilet. Um, and so I actually have some hope that the, okay. the immigrants coming here will um, could help in some way. However, I'm a strong believer in in um, making our immigration process easier uh, and less restrictive as far as, you know, not as much waiting time. Um, because I think I, I believe in legal immigration. I think it's a big country. We have a lot of room. We can certainly take more people in who need to be here. But I, I don't like it illegally. I don't like this open borders. Give them a phone. We'll track them later, maybe, and hope they show up to a court date. That's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I liked the remain in Mexico policy. There's nothing wrong with that policy. That policy was a good policy. Remain in Mexico while the paperwork goes through. And we should try to do what we can to make that process be smoother, be quicker um, and more effective so that families who need help and who need to be here can get here legally. Yeah. Some of the comments I brought up that, you know, there's a lot of conservative Hispanics and that's what Democrats get upset about. They're like, oh, you're race traitors. You're supposed to be voting Democrat. Uh, when a lot of them are deeply religious, a lot of them have escaped from Cuba or Venezuela, where they've certainly seen what leftist ideology has yep. done to a country. And so, um, yeah, that, that's that's uh, interesting to see. I believe there was one border town in Texas that flipped red 
um, you know, predominantly Mexican or Hispanic. And so um, a lot of the voters, whether whatever race they are, um, they, they just see what the outcome of these kind of Democrat policies look from their homeland. I mean, I, I hope so. I know someone in chat was saying the Biden administration is actively preventing immigrants from Cuba and Venezuela specifically, right? Like, uh, which which makes sense, of course. You don't want Cubans because they know how horrible socialism is, uh, and they don't they don't want it. They they historically, I think, Cubans vote much more yeah. conservative. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as far as I understand it, uh, just historically, you do end up with. Obviously, not all of them, but you do end up with a much larger Democrat percentage of uh, of immigrants, um, and and it, that lasts for like generations. You get like second and third generation tend to, you know, s still be more on the left than um, than people who you know were here before. And I don't, I don't think that's a problem necessarily. I think one of the problems if you look at immigration early on. Um, we didn't have a safety net. And so the people that came here wanted freedom and they wanted to be left alone and they were willing to take that risk and they could maybe build a better life. And that those those are the kind of people that absolutely contribute to a culture and and the American culture in particular. They're not liable to vote for lots of regulation and and government assistance because they didn't get any government assistance in there. They're just wanting some freedom. And I think if you have policies that that skew immigration um, towards a bias for freedom lovers, it could be an absolute boon to your economy and to your country. It can be awesome because um, there are freedom lovers. There's 7 billion people on the planet. There's freedom lovers all over the place. Um, but when you don't, when you have policies that, you know, let's just talk, I mean, I'm from California. We're not exactly freedom central. Um, so people that, people that want to come to California and settle are less likely to really be here for the freedom. They're likely to be here for handouts or other stuff or because it's, you know, higher standard of living, but don't really care about the, um, any of the values that make America special or unique. And that's dangerous because that does become a voting demographic. Sorry, that was a little bit of a soapbox. Okay. Um, I agree with Megan. You. Yes. What news story should we be paying attention to that isn't being talked about? Okay, well, I actually, I'm going to share a link with you in the private chat um, so you can drop it in the actual chat so people can see this. Okay. Um, and then I'll share the screen. I actually, I'm going to bring you your attention to my um, investigation into family core corruption. This is something that very mm -hmm. few outlets talk about. And I have a... 27 part series now these are all links on this page wow. this is the link that i dropped 27 part series and then also other related articles here all of these are related to this investigation into the corruption in family court in st louis missouri now some of these stories are in other states as well um but one of the biggest stories i worked on was a leaked video zoom call of court guardians conspiring to dox a journalist for exposing their collusion and their uh, corruption. Now, I don't know if you know what a guardian ad litem is, but these are court-appointed people who are supposed to help children and families going through divorces. And what they were actually doing in St. Louis um, 
we're, we're conspiring together to drag out these cases, uh, conspiring to use their own uh, preferred psychologists in order to rack up bills, huge numbers of it, to, to drain these families of their finances. Um, 31 judges had to recuse themselves from a lawsuit based around this case. That, that lawsuit eventually got thrown out in three different levels of court because they got judicial immunity, what we were talking about earlier, immunity. Jeez. So you can you can rape families uh, of financially, you can destroy them through the court system, and you will never be held accountable for it. This is a story of epic corruption. It should be on the front page of every newspaper in America, but no one has picked this up. I am, as far as I know, I'm the only one that reported, not even the St. Louis press would report on it. This even got in front of the um, Missouri Senate um, where parents were called to actually testify because of my reporting on this. They, so they have been heard by their legislators. The legislators are aware of what's going on in the judiciary. There are judges involved, lawyers, guardians ad litem. It is a horrific, the chief justice, the chief judge had to step down after my reporting. And yet this never went anywhere else. It, you, The only place you're going to read about this is on pjmedia.com. So I would encourage you to go through here and read about this because you're not going to find it anywhere else. And this is a this is something that people do not want to talk about for some reason, the, our court system in America and how corrupt it has become. Well, family courts especially. Um are really, really bad. Uh, how hard is it to make changes? And I assume it's just one of the reasons is like, there's just no accountability. It's really hard to get rid of people that are in the court system. Well, it's incredibly difficult, especially when they all get immunity. They're all getting immunity. So no matter what they do, uh, they have the message has gone out loud and clear. The system will protect you. I have psychologists, court psychologists, the one in particular, his name is Dr. James Reed, who diagnosed over 16 women with borderline personality disorder, all in St. Louis. That's not statistically possible. <laughs> the women he is, it's a very rare disorder. And it appears that all of them are <laughs> grouped into St. Louis, Missouri, under the, two, under the, uh, you know, the care of this one particular doctor. These same women went to other psychologists and were, di were diagnosed that they do not have borderline personality disorder. And these disorders are used to remove their children and they are, and they are charged $30,000 for the privilege of being diagnosed with a, a disease or with a condition they don't have. And yet this doctor, James Reed, not only got immunity and, and cannot be sued for these things, but he's back on the court circuit being assigned to, to new cases. He's not even he's not even qualified to do what he's doing. He's a geriatric psychiatrist. He's supposed to be seeing elderly people, but he isn't. He's seeing families and children. So it, it is um it's incredible. It's incredible what's happening there. It is a cabal uh being run and these they're all connected. They all know one another. They all assign each other to each other's cases. It's all the same people. Right. There were 37 of them on a Zoom call, basically openly talking about what they do and how now it's become harder for them to do what they do because I'm on the case and other journal, you know, this other um, anonymous journalist was exposing them. Uh, so it's, it's very, it's very, um, 
shocking. And there is nothing that can be done as far as I know. I spent an entire year on it, on my investigation, and there's nothing that can be done that I have seen that works. The only thing that I can say I believe would work is if the legislature would get off its ass and actually write bills to remove the immunity from these people and allow the people who have been harmed by them to sue them. That's the only way it's going to stop. But so far, they have not had the willpower to do it. What's the justification for the immunity? I mean, I assume that there's some credible argument for why... Well, I don't think immunity psychiatrist is credible at all. I don't think the argument for immunity is ever credible, but that's the that's my opinion on it. I think no one should have immunity for anything, including judges. And uh, the idea that a judge has total immunity for every decision they make on the bench is criminal. And they are giving the court-appointed officials quasi-judicial immunity because they're acting as an arm of the court. So that's their argument. The mm. argument is that the judge appointed them, and because the judge appointed them, they get the judge's immunity. But but okay. that doesn't take into consideration that they could be friends with the judge on the on the uh, at the golf club, and there's right. a conflict of interest, and they shouldn't have been appointed to the case in the first place. But it doesn't matter. No matter what evidence you have, you, it will not go before a court because it will get thrown out before the evidentiary period gets there because they have quasi-judicial immunity. And family courts are, I don't know what the case is in Missouri, but in a lot of states, family courts are entirely separate from the regular court system. Is that correct? That is correct. And that makes it very um, unfair, especially when you're talking about um, situations where children, where custody, the custody of children is at stake, where child protective services is taking your children away from you. You don't get to uh, a jury of your peers. You don't get the criminal um, standard of evidence, which is innocent unless proven guilty. You get uh, a much lower standard of evidence that they use in civil court called the preponderance of evidence. And that is uh, truly, it's not fair. It, it means no. that the judge can just take CPS's word for it, that you're an abuser and take your children and you never see them again. Um, that has to change. That's something when you're talking about removing parental rights, you need to have the highest standard of evidence, the highest, not the lowest. The Supreme Court actually said that the removal of parental rights is akin to a death sentence. If that's the case, then it must have the highest standard of evidence when deciding these things. And it doesn't. Right now it happens, not only do you have not a good standard of evidence, but it's behind closed doors, not even the press, not the public. No one can get in to see what's going on in those. And they do it for the privacy of the children, so-called. But what they're doing is hiding their corruption. They are hiding the fact that they are removing children from their parents without substantial evidence. And that's a problem. And, and as a member of the media, I have been turned away um, multiple times from cases where people are alleging major corruption in these cases. And none of us will ever know because they don't let us in. It is, they're operating in complete secret, secret courts in America. It's totally wrong. I know that a lot of, uh, also in family courts, a lot of, a lot of times fathers get the short shaft when they, when they go to, to family court. And there's, there's a lot of bias pro mom. That's not always true. But a lot of times there's biased uh, bias for the mother and against the father. Um, and 
and like you said, the the standard of 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 evidence is different. The standard of guilt is different. Um, and there there's like no oversight in the fact that they're they're secret. So, no, what's no the, oversight. What? This is one of those things that I just don't know a lot about, but it has always baffled me. What's the justification for having such a court system? Like, I understand the justification for FISA, right? I get why I don't like that they're secret courts, and I think that they should maybe change how the FISA courts operate, but I get why there's a FISA court. Why is there a family court that operates this way separate? Money. You need to watch the documentary called Divorce Corp. It's a wonderful documentary. It lays it out absolutely beautifully. It's free on YouTube. You can look it up. And it lays it out absolutely beautifully what this is about. It is about money. It is a money-making operation. It is operating in secret because uh, it they claim, like I said, privacy for the children. And that allows them to do things that they would never be allowed to do if they were opened up to the scrutiny of, of daylight. Um, and they do things like... Uh, you know, you said that there's some bias. Well, that's true. Although lately we've seen the pendulum swing back the other direction. In most of the cases that I covered in Missouri, it was the fathers who were getting um, all the perks. Oh, okay. And a lot of them were abusers, actual abusers, like found by CPS to have sexually abused a child. And yet the courts are still giving the child to the abuser. <clears throat> what it looks like is that the uh, safe parent is is the one who's being discriminated against. Whether that's a male or female parent, it doesn't matter. It's the safe parent that is being discriminated against in family courts. Um, and one of the reasons for that, and this is so nefarious, but this is, in all, my, in all my research over an entire year, this is what I've come up with. The reason why the safe parent is discriminated against and the unsafe parent continues to win in court is because the safe parent will do everything, sell everything, pay anything to get their child away from an abuser. It will drag out the process long enough for the court actors to take everything they can from that family. Um, if they were to just give the children to the safe parent, the court action would end. And so would the money train. Oh, I see. So they they know if I want to keep this going, I've got to keep the safe parent on the hook. Yep. Well, I, I, I have to keep the drama at the highest level. Mm. The conflict must stay at the highest level, which means that <sighs> the safe so parent, the safe parent must feel at, constantly at risk and do things like sell houses, sell, sell anything they can to continue paying into the system, to keep fighting, to get their children out of an unsafe system. And it goes even deeper than you can imagine. They have camps set up. You know all the stuff about conversion camps and how, every, oh, that's so bad? Well, family court has its own camps. They're called reunification therapy camps. They send children, they kidnap them in the middle of the night, take them from the safe parent, put them into a hotel room with strangers, and they then force them to reunify with the parent that they don't want to see. And this parent could have been someone abused of horrific abuse. But if the court decides that there's parental alienation going on, they will reunify the child at any cost. They will, they will order 90 days away from the safe parent and put these kids in a camp where they are then forced to deny that they ever suffered any abuse. The stories coming out of these camps are unbelievable. David Segui, who was a major league baseball player, his children were taken into a camp like this. And one of his children got to media at 12 years old and, and wrote to them to tell them what horrors that he suffered in this camp. 
being told he was not abused, even though there was video evidence that he was being abused by his mother's boyfriend. Um, and, and I don't think David Segui even has his kids back yet. It is a, it is a, uh, it is a scandal of epic proportion. What is happening? Family Bridges is the, is the name of this camp. They make twenty to eighty thousand dollars per kid at this camp. And they are taking these children away from their safe parent, forcing them into relationships with with the parent that they feel unsafe with. And they and they tell them that they were not abused, that the abuse never happened. It's brainwashing. It's abusive. Uh, and it needs wow. to stop. They're even taking them across state lines. I don't know how this isn't child trafficking because it fits the definition. I have uh, on my channel, I have an interview with a survivor from one of these camps. She was taken when she was a child, her and her sister. And what she tells is absolutely insane. Being forced to watch videos of, of uh, people saying that the uh, idea of abuse that they had, that they suffered as children, turned out to be false memories. That, that they weren't actually abused. And here's this girl who actually was abused saying, wait a minute, what are they saying to me? <laughs> Traumatizing them with videos of men saying that they were, um, that I can't even say it out loud because you'll get struck on YouTube. So I can't because it gets too. But it's like gaslighting <clears throat> camp. It's gaslighting camp. Yes. Yes, exactly. For kids. Yep. <laughs> Forcing, imagine again with teenagers, again, the court needs to take into consideration how teenagers feel about where they want to live. At some point, even if one parent is not, you know, parents going through divorce are not usually nice to each other. Okay. That's just a, a, a fact of life. Forcing teenagers though, to spend time with a parent who they don't want to see seems like a losing operation to me. You're not helping, you know, you're not helping that, that relationship. If I'm the parent whose teenager doesn't want to see me, I'm going to try and work on that relationship with the child at their own pace, especially as a teenager. I mean, I have teenagers. You cannot force them to do anything. And for a court to insert its nose into this family unit and say, you must spend this amount of time with this parent you don't want to see when you're 15, 16 years old. It's insane. Yeah. It's just more and more excuses to drag people into court and take their money. Well, and it's also another example of uh, you don't, yeah, as far as the state's concerned, the kids aren't yours. Right. Right. They also force them into uh, therapy. And this therapy, they have to pay for huge amounts of money. And there's no, there's no therapy. Uh, you know, there's no there's no proof that any of this therapy actually helps the children or helps the family come back together. So you know, they say that there is, but it's not what I'm seeing. Certainly not what I'm seeing for these these poor kids who are being forced into it. You know, you can't force children um, to do very much. It's not a good idea. It's not a way to build a relationship. Force is not a good way to build a relationship with kids. Or anyone. Right. Yeah. It's certainly an underreported story because you don't hear about this anywhere at all. So it's really great this investigation that you did and journalism actually going against the courts, going against the government. And so it's a really great, you know, multi-piece probe you have going on because you already hear that the system is broken for kids who are bored of the states, but with something as messy as divorce, divorce, it's just awful to hear that, you know, a safe parent could lose custody of their child, or as you said, teenagers, they certainly don't want to hear what adults have to say, but then to be uprooted from their lives 
and as you said, even sent across state lines. That's just horrible to hear that these kids are already going through a tumultuous time in their lives and then to put this added trauma on it and to gaslight them into believing that they never went through any kind of trauma. That's awful. Greg Ellis, who was in Pirates of the Caribbean, he has written and he's been standing up for Johnny Depp actually recently too on Twitter. He's one of Johnny's friends. He has written a very good book about divorce court. I had him on my podcast for PJ Media. Um, I'm not going to remember what the name of his book is now, but if you just look up Greg Ellis on Amazon, you'll find it. And he has been through uh, the court system. And he what he found in his, in his investigation mirrored what I found. So it, it, is, um, it is absolutely happening. There is a, a a reluctance by the press to get involved because they they hear a divorce case and they go, well, this is he said, she said, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. And um, and maybe maybe. However, there are hard, there is hard evidence here that the children are not being served. I can point to I can point to story after story across this country where um, where there are children who have been murdered. And there's been a rash of them recently. Um, children have been murdered by the unsafe parent after the safe parent was begging the judge, don't send them, please don't send them, don't make me send them there. He's dangerous. And this has happened over and over and over again recently in the news. And there have been laws that have been passed because of the Caden's law is one of them. Little Caden was murdered by her father after her mother repeatedly asked for a uh, order of protection against a violent man. And these judges aren't listening. They are not listening. So it's very important that these stories get out there. And it isn't always women, um, you know, who are this, who are the safe parents. Sometimes it's, it's the fathers as well. I try not to take the sides of either gender because I do believe that this is a system problem and the yeah. system is favoring the abuser and the abuser can sometimes, as we've seen in Johnny Depp's case, can sometimes be the woman and we need yeah. to open our eyes to the evidence and stop, uh, stop just believing these people and work for the children, work on the behalf of the children. The system is not good for children. It's harming them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's devastating. I don't I don't What's the next step in in the stories that you've been following in St. Louis? Like what's the next Well, unfortunately right now it's over until the next uh session um that the last chance that people had the victims in St. Louis had was to get legislation on, you know, voted on to remove the immunity. But they missed it. They didn't get a sponsor in time. No one has the political will to do it. I have shamed the Republicans in Missouri over and over again. The Republicans in Missouri are dropping the ball on this. This is their state. It is a red state. And the Republicans have in Missouri have a duty of care to their constituents to stop this. They know it's happening. I've sat in their offices. I traveled there myself. I went there to talk to the conservatives. Um, so they know it's happening. They've been given evidence, evidence that looks like some judges are involved in um, <clears throat> money laundering. So they have the evidence and they, I don't know what they've done with it, but they certainly haven't signed on to any bills to stop it. 
And that's unfortunate. Mm. Now, I, I have also been covering some core corruption in Montana. And in Montana, it's a different story. The conservatives in the um, House in Montana are actually doing something about it and writing bills to, to bring judicial accountability to the state of Montana. It's actually quite exciting what's happening there. I'm going to be, I'm going to be following up on what's going on in Montana right now, and hopefully it will teach the conservatives in Missouri what it is they can do about this. And I have, I have um, interviewed uh, one of the lawmakers in Montana about this issue and about what he's doing to stop it. And it, it's quite interesting and it's a good lesson for, for how, our government is supposed to work. The judiciary does not operate by itself. It does not operate in its own fiefdom. There is a check and balance. It's called the legislature. And if the legislature would get off its ass and do its job, we wouldn't have this problem. The judges need to be told, you will not cross into the people's business. See now in Montana, the judges made a big mistake because they started sending lobbyists into the uh, house to mess with bills. And once mm. that started happening, the and it started going south and they were they got uh, emails that got leaked to show that they were interfering in the people's business. They finally got some some representatives with cojones to say, "Oh no, we're going to stop this because you don't belong here. This is not your realm. You you stay right. on in your lane and we'll stay in our lane, but don't you come in here." So it's very interesting because now that they've done that, now it's like the legislators are are getting hip to the what's going on with the judiciary. Now they want to know why are they interfering with what we're doing? Uh, what are they doing that they're trying to cover up? Right, right. And it sounds like if there's, I mean, it sounds like you have an industry where there's it's just a cash cow for so many people that I imagine there's lobbyists for, you know, in Missouri. I imagine there's lobbyists for the the psychiatrists and the and the therapists and the people running what was it called family bridges or whatever like i yep. imagine they're they're talking to senators and and congressmen and saying oh you know we're, we're here to, we're helping kids and this all needs to happen and blah 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 and we you know we need more funding for x y and z and so um but the on the flip side there's not a lot of money in saying leave them alone that's right like that's just there's not a lot of money there there's no money in, in solving family crisis. There's no money yeah. in solving, in helping a family dissolve a marriage without stress. There's no money in that. None. Yep. The, the money is in high conflict and the lawyers know it. And the, ju the judges know it too. The more times they can get the people in the courtroom in front of them, the more money the lawyers have to donate to their campaigns. The idea that lawyers can donate to judges' campaigns, the, the idea that that is happening in America, that should be illegal, completely illegal, because guess who is regulating attorneys in Missouri? Judges. Judges, yeah. So let me get this straight. The lawyers pay into the coffers of the judges for their election campaigns, and then the judges get to decide which lawyers are going to get written up or not written up. See how this works? Avita Tolu, who is an attorney in Missouri who brought this forward, she's the one who filed the lawsuit. She has had three now complaints filed against her with the Ethics Committee. They are going to take her license. They're doing it in retaliation. No one will stop them, especially because her lawsuit's been thrown out now three times and at the Supreme Court level. 
And now that they've gotten it out of there and they, and she can't do anything about it, they're going to take her law license. That's how this is going to work. And it's a, it's a, it's a clear retaliation. It's a message to other lawyers. Don't get uppity. Don't, don't tell on us. Cause if you tell on us, we'll take your, take your license. Yeah. It's a cartel. I mean, it's, it's it's a criminal cartel. Yep. Well, um, before we head out, let's, I just want to run one question by both of you. Um, how do you recommend people ascertain the truth in this modern deluge of competing narratives? There's, there's so much, like if you're a normie, you're not, you know, you're not Mia, you're not Megan, you're not spending all of your time investigating and looking at this stuff. How do you know what to believe? Well, I think um, a lot of people on social media uh, that they're doing the heavy lifting themselves. There was the whole hoax up in Canada during the Freedom Convoy protests about this arson that was set at a an apartment. But it took a lot of just citizen journalists, just people who were onlookers on Twitter, were able to dismantle the hoax that was going on. And so it, it's great to see um, how journalism has really evolved in the modern age. You don't have to be backed by the Washington Post or the New York Times. It's just someone like Libs of TikTok who create an account of social media persona and they're not doing any less journalism than what Taylor Lorenz is doing. Uh, It's just reporting the facts, it's reporting what's happening out there. And so anyone could just see protest footage that's happening live as someone streaming from on the grounds in Portland or Minneapolis. And so anyone could really just be a journalist. You don't have to have, you know, a syndicated column. Uh, You could just take out your phone. I believe it was a 17-year-old who got a citation by the Pulitzer Prize um, organization just for recording the arrest of George Floyd. And so it could be anyone. You don't have to have gone to journalism school. You don't have to have a four-year degree. As long as you have a phone technology, iPhones take really great footage. So anyone could really be you know, a reporter in today's age. I agree with that. All of that. That's all excellent. And I would also say, don't believe anything you see. Don't believe anything you hear. Believe your own eyes, believe your, your gut. Um, But you have to do your, you have to look at if, especially if the media is all talking in unison about something, whatever that thing is, you know that it's fake. You should know immediately that if the media is all giving you the same story, it's fake. It's not real. Um, everything is fake. I mean, everything is fake. I have a hard time myself um, getting to the bottom of what is true. And I do. And we really, really try very hard at pjmedia.com. Uh, we vet everything that we put out before we put it out. Um, our editors have a very high standard, much higher than the Washington Post's by the way, or the New York Times. Um, So I would encourage people to go to conservative sites um, like pjmedia.com, like the Daily Wire, like other sites who are um, trying to report what is true. Now, you might not think it's true, and that's okay. You know, look at all of them, though. So if you're going to read the Washington Post, come on over to pjmedia.com and read what we have to say about what the Washington Post reported, and then compare the two. Because I can tell you right now, you're not going to hear 
what we have to say about it in the Washington Post. And you do have to hear all sides. You do have to, li- to I read the Daily Beast. You know, I read all kinds of things. I read everything. I read the New York Times and I read the Washington Post and I read everything that, that they're reporting. I'm reading that too. And then I do my own research and I come up with my own conclusions and I will report that. Um, but I would suggest that everyone do that. Read everything from everywhere before you make up your mind. And if ABC and CBS and NBC and all these corporate media is saying one thing, you can pretty much guarantee the opposite is true. Cynical, but uh, probably wise. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say one of the things that I appreciate about uh, some of the non-mainstream media is they're much more likely to link to primary sources. Um, you know, Mia was mentioning your phone. I mean, Andy, no, you've meant, you mentioned Andy, like he's out there taking actual video. It's primary source material. Um, and for most mainstream media, if you're interested in the story uh, and you want to look at the primary source material behind the story, you'll never get there by clicking on links from their website. Uh, you have to go somewhere else and look for it. They, they certainly aren't going to link to any primary source material. Um, so yeah, I do appreciate that about a lot of non-mainstream media. So remind, remind, first of all, thank you both for your time. This has been a really cool discussion. I really enjoyed it. Um, and we, we went places that I didn't expect. So I'm glad we talked about family court and that kind of stuff. Uh, it was good. So, um, remind, remind everyone where they can follow you both. Mia, go oh, ahead. Okay, sorry. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter. Just Mia Cathel on Twitter. And that's just usually where I am. Otherwise, my articles appear on the Post Millennial under my author tag. And you can find me on pjmedia.com. Also, I'm on Twitter at Megan Fox Writer. I'm on Gab at Megan Fox. I'm on Getter at Megan Fox Writer. I have a YouTube channel, which is a lot of fun. I do a lot of fun stuff on my YouTube channel, as well as uh, commentary on different school board meetings, which is a lot of fun. And you can find me on YouTube if you type in Megan Fox PJ Media. That's how you'll find me, because I know it's hard with the toe thumbs girl. Uh, you're going to find a lot of her as well. Um, and you can also we'll put a link to it in our show. There you go. Yeah. Put a link there. Cause it's a little hard for people to find it with my name. It's a little difficult and to uh, it, it, hard to find me, but uh, YouTube, Twitter, uh, you can find me on PJ media writing columns there every day. Awesome. Well, thank you again, both. I really appreciate it. And I hope to have you both back at some point soon. So um, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks Carter. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production may corrupt previous psychological programming. 
If you encounter any of the following individuals, please administer government-issued neurotoxin immediately. I'm not sure what the neurotoxin will do because I am not a biologist. CRT is a complex legal theory that is needed to combat the epidemic of racist babies. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.